You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. G'day, Annie McLaughlin here for this week's edition of Stick Together, focusing on union news, worker stories and social justice issues. This program is produced in Melbourne for 3CR and the Community Radio Network with the support of the Community Radio Foundation. On the stolen lands of the Kulin Nation and we pay our respects to the Elders past, present and emerging. The COVID-19 pandemic, by definition, has affected everyone in the world, with some shouldering the heaviest loads. In Australia, the death rate is low and people are holding their breath as restrictions on movements are being relaxed, fearing a spike in infections. Much of the work of containing and dealing with COVID-19 has been performed at a state level. The federal government has reserved its big performance numbers to a wage subsidy called JobKeeper, an increase in the dole called JobSeeker, and now a mechanism being called JobMaker. You can see this government is one for marketing terminology and a snappy phrase. But with the budget for JobKeeper embarrassingly miscalculated down from the $6 billion to the $30 billion mark and the job seeker increase slated to return to the below poverty level in September and the restarting of the harassment of the unemployed and the underemployed through what is called the Mutual Obligation Clause, where the coyly called job seeker must be shown actively looking for work or risk losing payment, it is not surprising people are looking at the rhetoric around the federal government's key mechanism for kick-starting the post-COVID Australian economy, job maker, a new accord, the government, business and unions working together, reshaping industrial relations and the answer, more skills, as if all of a sudden Australians have been beset by an attack of de-skilledness, as one commentator put it, instead of COVID. And as if after seven years in government, the federal government, who decimated TAFE and employment of apprentices, haven't always said the same thing over and over again. Investing in jobs and skills led by business is their business. Australia is at a pivotal moment in history, we are told. Is this federal government right? Is their question right? Is the answer they offer right? Are they really asking key players to build a better future for Australia or do they already have the report written? Because... Despite the removal of the objectionable anti-union, the ensuring integrity legislation, a law which unions and many legal experts say was a direct attack on the democratic rights of workers, which failed to be passed three times, the newly dressed industrial relation changes are no different from the federal government's stance of 12 months ago. Award simplification, enterprise agreements, casuals and fixed-term employment, compliance and enforcement, and greenfields agreements for new enterprises. 
remembering that greenfield agreements are agreements made between employers and one or two workers who may or may not be in a workplace which is affected by the agreement. This is not a response to COVID-19. It is the same music hoping for a different audience, an audience cowered by a pandemic, dressed up as nation-building. The pandemic did not reveal a skill shortage. It revealed the chronic levels of casualisation, the gutting of good jobs for young people, the lack of respect for workers' voices in negotiating wages and conditions, even under the threat of a pandemic, and the large swathes of people in our community who live in precarious employment with little recognition or protection. We followed up the experience of the workers at Brisbane's waterfront, some of whom have been donating to support kids' needs, resources for homeschooling, despite their own insecure work situation. We speak to Felicity Sauerbutz from the Young Workers' Centre as they fight for young workers to keep jobs and get job seeker payments. And we speak to Dean Lim, a member of a sex workers' collective, about how his community are faring. Many of you will be familiar with 3CR's annual Radiothon fundraiser. It's when you, our listeners, literally keep the station going with your generous donations. It's a vibrant and busy time each June at the station and an all-in effort from our volunteers, staff and supporters. But in 2020, under the COVID-19 restrictions, we need to do things a little bit differently. So stay tuned for our June Station Appeal. It'll be online, on point, and be asking those of you who can to make a donation to keep 3CR alive. 3CR, your station in struggle and solidarity. You're on Stick Together, workers' stories, union news and social justice issues. Over the last few months, the workers on Australia's waterfront have had to fight for a safe workplace in the new COVID-19 world. A bright light came through with the news of workers at the Patrick Terminal in Brisbane doing a pull-up for local kids who needed equipment to support homeschooling. I spoke to Stephen Cumberlidge, MUA State Secretary, for a word on their good works and what is happening for members on the wharves in Brisbane. Oh, yeah, the, um, the lads from down at Patrick's, uh, in conjunction with the... Um local trucking company, Wynnum Haulage, the union and the Wynnum Workers Social Club all chipped in. Um, they raised over 5000 um, and they bought 21 laptop stuff for the uh, kids that couldn't afford it or were struggling with their parents for homeschooling. Plus, they bought a, a great big heap of um, schooling packs, um, which they can pick up at the local news agents. So... It was a great effort by everyone. Uh, it was um, organised by Peter Brookes, a senior delegate at uh, Patrick's, and everyone chipped in, um, and it's uh, all for a great cause. Uh, well, it's been uh, quite a difficult time for the people at Patrick's, um, hasn't it? Uh, so it's uh, nice to see that people can um, uh, help out, even when they themselves are in a... Uh, the firing line. Uh, yeah, well, all of our members are, are on the firing line. We're sort of the, the forgotten uh, people in this whole coronavirus where everyone else, um, the, the nurses and doctors and everyone have done a great job. 
but our blokes have been going to work, haven't taken a day off yet. Um, and they're in the front line from foreign crews and everything else coming and going from work and plus social distancing at work. But uh, any cause that's worthwhile, the waterside workers uh, in the port, the MUA members will certainly rally to support it. And uh, this is just another occasion of a great job. It's interesting because uh, there's been a lot of attacks against uh, unions but uh, in actual fact, this is an example of how unions are the people that uh, make up the workforce of Australia. Uh, unions like yours have broad shoulders and it's very important for the fabric of society. I absolutely agree. Um, we're always portrayed as the uh, boogeyman in the industry, but uh, we've got more of a social conscience in our union than most people uh, would believe. We've... Um, if it's a good cause and it needs to be rallied up, we certainly throw our weight behind it. Um, it's easy to write bad stories, but no one wants to write about the good stories. Uh, yeah. Uh, but we give it our best. Uh, with uh, the uh, daily work that's going on, how has uh, things been going for your members? Well, the shipping's dropped off. Uh, car ships are down about 40%. Um, there's uh, been a fair bit of adjusting to fit in with the coronavirus and make sure that uh, we don't lose the the gangs uh, at work because if one gang and they cross-pollinate, then you lose two gangs and then the whole waterfront shuts down. But uh, we've managed uh, with the companies to um, mitigate that so there's uh, gangs stick together. Most companies are on board with it. There's a couple that uh, it took some persuading and there's a couple that... Uh, just doesn't think it's going to affect them at all. But uh, from the uh, the case down in um, Sydney where uh, a worker came in and then the whole place had to shut down for 14 days, we've managed to avert that in um, in Queensland through the uh, the um, cooperation between the union, the members, and the company. So at this stage, touch wood, we uh, we don't have any problems in the port of Brisbane at this stage. Is it hard to get the uh, companies to come to the party? Um, there was some resistance at the start because they always run on the, uh, the bottom line. That'll cost us money. But once uh, one terminal shut down in the country, they all realised that it's going to cost them a hell of a lot more if they're shut down for 14 days rather than uh, a preventative measure across the board. But in overall, um, most of the companies were on board with it. Um, they realised that uh, if they had to shut for 14 days, it was going to be a bigger effect on them than only uh, following some uh, basic procedures, which the government uh, in Queensland had outlined. And working with uh, MSQ, uh, Angus uh, Mitchell, uh, he's been uh, brilliant in this whole affair. And uh, the communications between them and the union has been uh, absolutely excellent. All right, so so the uh, kind of uh, arrangements to keep people safe and the work practices, uh, uh, you, your your OHS people would have been working overtime. Uh, yes, everyone was. I'm afraid uh, we just want to make sure that uh, our members are always safe, no matter what they're doing. And uh, we don't want them taking it home to families and spreading through the community. And then we knew if we were the, the front line, if we were practice the right way of going about things and everything would um, 
uh, work out for the better, and so far it has. It's been great. Were you on the front foot? Uh, were you ahead of the game uh, in relation to this sort of stuff? Were you the ones pushing? Pretty much, yeah. We we, we had a, a a national or state hookup and a national hookup, and uh, everyone was on the same boat. Uh, Jake Fields, our uh, safety officer, was all over it. Any any information that needed to be out there was out there, and the same as uh, MSQ, they were um, very willing and helpful with everything. And if you can work with everyone, it just makes it easier to uh, proceed with, with safety everywhere. It's it's a wake up call really for people to realise how much we rely on our uh, the uh, wolves when it comes to this sort of affair. That's exactly right because if the uh, if say three or four gangs um, came down with the virus and there's a whole shipping company or two shipping companies that can't work, then the country or the Queensland would stop because there's um, if it's not coming in or coming out of the country, the wharfies are the ones that handle it first. So uh, it's a vital industry uh, to the country and especially to the state that it, it, those um, doors remain open and everyone uh, can go home safely every day. Uh, with the relaxing of the um, measures, the COVID measures, how's it going for your industry? Um, yeah, no, we're, we're going all right because all of our people are well aware of um, what the procedures are and what they have to do to stay safe. No one wants to take this home. If there's foreign crews now, the foreign crews have um, uh, regulations that they have to follow. And to their credit, uh, we've had no incidents from the foreign crews at this stage. Uh, the 14 days now has been relaxed um, to a degree, but um, if the measures all stay in place and everyone plays the game properly, uh, I don't think we'll have a problem. So, touch wood, we're going uh, okay still at the moment. Thanks for talking to me. Not a problem, have a great day. Yeah, you too. Keep safe. Cheers. You're on Stick Together, workers' stories, union news and social justice issues. When the wage subsidy, JobKeeper, was announced, many people were relieved as their world was reduced to keeping a roof over their head and food on the table during the COVID shutdown. But problems with the structure and implementation of JobKeeper have become more and more obvious over time, with young workers heavily impacted. I spoke to Felicity Salbutz from the Young Workers Centre about what has been happening and how some young workers are finding their voice as they demand their workers' rights. So we launched jobscammer.com.au about five weeks ago now. That's because we were um, noticing a lot of young workers reaching out to us um, through either Facebook or social media more broadly or through our hotline um, about issues that they were facing uh, with the JobKeeper wage subsidy. And so, yeah, we we launched a website specifically um, to let young workers and workers more broadly um, dob in their bosses about um, dodgy JobKeeper um, practices. And we've had just over 500 workers across the country have reached out and told us those stories um, and of that 500 about 60% of them are young workers so workers aged 30 and under. Can you tell us a little bit about the uh, kinds of uh, the experiences workers are having what type of things are happening? Yeah definitely so um, young workers have um, been telling us stories about not being opted into JobKeeper at all so their boss is saying for one reason or another that they're not eligible 
Um, we've had other stories where workers have not been receiving the full JobKeeper payment, so the full amount of $1,500 per fortnight. Um, some bosses have been you know, trying to keep part of it um, for admin, um, and I guess that is just wage theft of a different sort. So prior to COVID-19, you know, young workers in particular were experiencing wage theft in huge numbers and you know this is just wedge theft of a different type so that's another thing that we've been hearing a lot and um, but also workers being forced to kind of work more hours than they would ordinarily and um, to match or to earn the job keeper payment and then that's been happening across so many different industries including you know ones which are closed down as well due to um the restrictions so we've been hearing that even from workers in um gyms in cinemas and um, so yeah those workplaces are obviously closed down at the moment but and um, they're encouraged they're making their workers i guess earn their job keeper payments by for instance in cinemas unscrewing all the seats and cleaning around them and yeah and expecting workers to work you know anything up to full-time hours and um, to do that work when they would you know ordinarily students and you know not be normally working that many hours so that's just a few different things that we've been hearing and um, I think the important thing is that, you know, this um, JobKeeper payments are not an employer's money to keep. It's ultimately the money for to help workers through this crisis. Does that mean that the government actually has not audited or uh, overseen the payments? I mean, there's um, some issues there where workers don't have... Um, there's no clear path to recourse for so many of these workers when like dealing with the the ATO or the Fair Work Commission around these issues. Some of them, for instance, around being opted into JobKeeper, and um, that's not a dispute that you can take to the Fair Work Commission. It is a you know voluntary opt-in system, which ultimately means that there are so many workers whose bosses are not even opting them in in the first place. So. Yeah, there's definitely um, some failings there on ways that, you know, workers can seek justice when dealing with JobKeeper. And I guess that leads into where um, we're sticking together and speaking to their boss together with the backing of, you know, a union is, is the best way for workers right now to be getting outcomes and obviously a less daunting way as well to quickly get an it's outcome. It's interesting, isn't it? Uh, you've had actually some successes where some workers have just said, well, no, this is not good enough. They've actually, instead of just having the employer say, oh, I'm, they've actually pushed back. Can you tell us yeah. about some of those cases? Yeah, definitely. So that's obviously um, one positive is that we are seeing so many young workers um, speaking up when they see injustice and unfairness and are um, sticking together with their co-workers and doing something about it. Um, one of those recent cases that we um, have supported workers through is um, a group of young workers at Dimmocks in Chadston. Um, so they were told via email um, that they had uh, lost their jobs um, and, you know, let alone being um, opted into JobKeeper. So they were told that they should apply for JobSeeker instead. And um, they had been working at Dimex Chadston for anywhere between three and four years. There was a group of seven of them, seven casuals who were in this situation and um, who told they wouldn't be, you know, getting shifts and were in fact no longer employed there. And they stuck together. They launched a petition and they got support from, you know, well-known Australian authors like Clementine Ford and Marcus Uzak and, 
and together they, you know, they sent joint letters and ultimately they won back their jobs and they were opted into JobKeeper as well. So they've been working shifts in the last week, which is, um, yeah, just testament to them sticking together and knowing that something wasn't right and not letting, um, you know, a pretty big company um, tell them that they'd lost their jobs. So that was one. And we had another one with some young engineers who were told they weren't eligible. Um, and when they spoke up, they were actually pretty much threatened with termination. Their boss did quickly backtrack on the termination side of things. Um, but they together, they sent a joint letter and they were initially offered individual meetings with the boss, but they um, and rightly so pushed back and got a joint meeting um, together with the employer and you know they took a support person along as well and um, and they ultimately yeah were being popped onto JobKeeper as well which was a big win for them um, and now they're you know speaking with other employees around the country as well to see if they're in similar situations so that's just two examples um, but it's it is heartwarming to see young workers getting outcomes and getting wins and when they do stick together and you know speak up together and with the backing of the union movement so yeah that's that is um it is good that we are seeing some progress in that just as a matter of interest what are these employers trying to achieve Uh, is it just that they decided they weren't going to put their workers on JobKeeper it was too hard too much effort or are they thinking that they can get work out of people on fewer hours to do have fewer employees effectively because JobKeeper, the government's paying the wages? Yeah, really good question. I mean, this is obviously the JobKeeper scheme is designed to help employers pay their um, employees' wages. And, you know, that should, that's obviously they are getting a lump sum of money to pass on to their workers, which means that they are not having to foot the, you know, the wage bill themselves. So, on the surface, there shouldn't be, you know, any reason why um, employers should want to exclude workers from these schemes. I think um, in the case of retail, a lot of it comes from um, advice that a lot of these retail stores have received from PwC and the Australian Retailers Association. There definitely seems to, it, you know, I don't think it's a coincidence that it's a trend across the retail industry. I think ultimately, though, it's... Um, Employers were not willing to um, pay um, JobKeeper to their employees during April before the money and the back pay came from the ATO. And um, yeah, and I think ultimately they were trying to shift the burden from from them as business owners, not knowing what you know is was about to come or is about to come in like the next or what the next six to twelve months looks like. They were ultimately trying to shift the burden from them onto workers themselves Um, and I think by not opting in some workers and by telling them they had no longer have jobs was one way of kind of limiting the burden in the long run um, rather than the short term. I think there's plenty of examples here of where young workers are you know finding out and realizing for the first time just how vulnerable they are in their workplaces and I guess that talks to a broader point of how post-COVID-19 crisis, there's so much work to be done to deal with casualization and insecure work because ultimately it is young workers who will be um, disproportionately, um, I guess, dealing with the impacts of that for decades to come. You're on Stick Together, workers' stories, union news and social justice issues. In a pandemic, perhaps one of the most obvious areas of work affected is sex work. 
I spoke with Dean Lim about how his community has been faring with the compulsory shutdown of sex work in Victoria during the pandemic. It's been pretty tough. Uh, it has affected, and of course, it's affected everybody, not just the sex worker community. Um, so, you know, we're, we've all had to f- face challenges of either self-isolating or using technology in order to communicate with people. In terms of the sex worker community, what I've encountered is um, through conversations, either through text messaging, various messaging apps or phone calls, um, the, the very general feedback that I've gotten from, from fellow sex workers is that um, because uh, we are not allowed to work because of the coronavirus restrictions, this has severely impacted people's ability to earn an income. And people who have been able to access Centrelink and, and the Job Seeker, Job Keeper um, programs, they are okay. The ones that are more affected, I've I found, especially with the male community that I'm, I'm involved with, are mainly migrant workers. They've been very, very severely affected. So we've had calls from people to say, look, you know, I'm, I'm in trouble or what can I do? That's one area. Some members who are Australian citizens who don't have a what some might consider a a traceable work history through the ATO. So how do you uh, show that you have been a worker if you have no uh, pay slips? So are you saying that, uh, say, people who work in your area that are, say, attached to businesses like brothels, then they would actually be able to get JobKeeper? Some people have been, but again, it depends on how they have been paid. Uh, So the majority of people that I've been involved with or have been in contact with are classified as private workers, uh, myself included, which means that we work for ourselves. We um, usually are paid in cash. And so where is our employment history via a payslip? Some of the community have another job or maybe perhaps students themselves. So, you know, they've, they've got other programs or other assistance that they can find. But if you fall through the cracks, what do you do? The positive side that I've seen is people working within their own little communities. So, for example, the main community I'm involved with is what we call what you would call the male worker community. It's basically what we what you would classify as male to male services. We represent about twenty percent of the overall population of the sex worker population within our own community. We do have a lot of migrant workers, people who are from overseas, so North America, South America, Europe, Asia, Southeast Asia. Indian subcontinent, uh, we, we have people from everywhere. And so it, it has actually brought our community closer together. Uh, so for in my community, we've produced a newsletter, a monthly newsletter that we've sent out to members, and we have 300 members currently. And we've advised them of the legal, legal standing in Victoria, which is sex work is banned during coronavirus restrictions. And 
we've given them advice as to, well, you know, if you need help, there are government programs. If you don't qualify the government for government programs, we are here to help you. Do you need food? Do you, do you need support? Can we, you know, uh, link you into other services? That's it for Stick Together this week. As you heard on the program today, 3CR hit by the COVID-19 epidemic, just like everywhere else, is unable to do its radiothon. So if uh, you wish to donate to maintain our service and our community, you can go online, 3cr.org.au. The podcast is available on 3cr.org.au. You can contact the producers of the show at sticktogether3cr at gmail.com. My name's Annie McLaughlin. Remember, wherever you are, whatever you do, there is a union for you. And until next time, look after yourself and stick together. listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.